What's up, team? Before we head into the episode, I just wanted to take a second to give a special shout out to Just Move. That is my online subscription platform. I have hundreds of workouts over on Just Move, anything from cardio, strength, mobility. We even have other coaches on there. You can do yoga, dance, and so much more. And right now, we have 50% off an annual membership. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to JustMove.com and let's get moving. What's up, team, and welcome to The Kaisa Show. Today, we have a really special guest. Indeed we do. This man is a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach for the Seattle Seawolves Pro Rugby Team, creator of off-the-leash paintball performance training, professional paintballer himself, and last but not least... Kaiser's weekly competition in speed and agility drills at the gym, Mr. Patty the Panther hey. Gleason is in the house. Hey. So Let's fucking go. <laughs> Patty, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. How are you doing this morning? What's up, fam? I'm feeling good. Um, doing good, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Like we just talked about, first guest, it's an honor, you know? Patty is, we said he's te- owning it technically uh, Patty. Uh, official, uno- unofficial official first guest i made it my own we're gonna we're gonna give it to him patty is our first guest we <clears throat> we did have luca first but you know we're giving patty first guest honors but patty, we'll push the boss aside yeah push the boss aside <laughs> patty so we met him at vigor and patty's very hard to miss because he is insane you are such an insane athlete and mike is not kidding when i'm in there at bigger training i'm always looking over at what patty's doing and i'm like all right patty i wait until the end of his session yeah. well what i love about it though is it's at the end of your yeah. session too that it's sort of there's this transition patty starts warming up you're sort of winding down then patty starts his fucking drills and you're like wait i just see you like you're looking you're like what's he doing over there i'm like already having fomo yeah exactly and then like my competitive spirit comes out and you you all have to see Pat. You've probably seen him a few times because we we've raced and I've lost. Patty, you are an incredible athlete. So I want to go back. I mean, we're we have a lot to talk about today, but I want to go back just a little bit and talk about what you're doing right now as an athlete because I didn't know professional paintballing was a thing. Right, and, and it is. <laughs> yeah, and that's I mean that's what uh, is a hot topic a lot of times when I tell people that I'm a pro paintball player, and um, I mean. First, backtrack, I think that's just the culture of vigor, you know, and I, I love that everyone that I'm exposed to and, and vice versa, I think it just breeds creativity, you know what I mean? And that's what we are. I mean, as a coach and as athletes and stuff like that, uh, in many senses, I, I view ourselves as artists, right? And that's yes. movement, you know, and so it's, and we put our own flavors on it. So it's, it's very flattering that you come in because I've been watching your social media for so long and it was really cool that you started to come in. And then that we have that relationship or share that vibe. It's been a lot of fun. So, um, but paintball, um, huge passion of mine, obviously, um, playing professionally, which is a real thing. <laughs> and um, I pretty safe to say that I'm the only one that trains like how I do for paintball. So <laughs> yeah, don't I was gonna get say, that twisted. <laughs> yeah. Like, so when I saw you train and then I hear you're a professional paintballer, I'm like, but why like this he's like in this looks like harder than like nfl training sometimes you know and then i look at like because i was totally 
I had no clue about like professional paintballing. It's and I a look fun and I was rabbit like, hole to di- holy dive down. shit! Yeah. <laughs> like it is athletic. People are diving. I mean, it is very like agile movement. Yes. So I think the first thing is like painting a picture to where it's like when you hear of paintball, you hear of like camo, mm-hmm. like wearing the ghillie suits and you're in the woods and you're being super secretive. Like, I think that's the idea that people have when you hear of paintball. But from what you saw, the competition side of paintball is not like that at all. It's very fast, a lot of dynamic movements. um, And you got to train for that stuff. And I'm, like I said, I feel like I'm the only one really diving into that frontier not to say that people aren't doing it but i definitely feel like i'm pushing the envelope and really diving in only because i'm exposed to so many high-end pro uh athletes you know and and then also and we'll get into it but also being on the um, sea wolves coaching staff and seeing the back end of it and how you program design and then also being under luca and everything like that it's just a recipe for creative you know creativity so yeah and you are very creative i think that's the thing Patty's energy is very palpable. So when we're in the gym, I'm li- like, you're drawn to watching what he's doing as an athlete. And then he's also a coach, but you are very creative with your movement, but also just shout out because we're the same age. Yes. And that was another thing too. I was like, Patty, wait, how- when are you born? I was in the because, building. Yeah, <laughs> because when he beat me, I was like, okay, well don't worry. Kaisa. he's like late twenties. Okay. Like it's okay. <laughs> and then Patty was like, no, I'm 36. And I was like, damn, hey. like, it's so inspiring. I think that's the thing too, is like you being a professional athlete is a amazing but also just being 36 and coming to like watching you train and what you do is very very inspiring so I appreciate that but today we also want to talk about your inspiring story which I guess basically just diving straight to the point Patty reached out to us and wanted to share his story of basically being deep into drugs and now being sober and living a very inspiring life as a professional athlete as a coach and so can we go all the way back like can we go back and talk about the beginning of your life and maybe maybe the beginning of your addiction and kind of start there and and talk about how movement brought you out of that yes for sure um where to start i was gonna say i mean shout out to all the the people in their 30s i think it's the best decade yeah um we really hit our stride and and it's prime time so yes 86 we're in the building Mm -hmm. um i was gonna make a joke and say i probably hibernated <laughs> for about half of my life yeah. and so to segue <laughs> I feel into that, that too. Yeah. yeah so now we're out um but uh so a little background um born and raised on Maui so from Hawaii uh small island you know a small community community has always been real big to me and um to dive just to dive right into substance use and we've talked about it uh, on our phone call that I started using at 12 like 11 or 12 mm. and by using I saw uh, you know not to downplay it but that's like smoking weed you know and that's just cult you know we'll we'll go into that but it's environmentally or culturally kind of you know that's part of being on the islands mm-hmm. you know what I mean so weed has always been pretty prevalent uh so I started using at 12 uh but and that 12 you are in middle school sixth grade school. Sixth, sixth grade at the skate park so I used to skate all the time okay. it was right across the, the school we had a skate park right there so I'd hang out after the you know after school for hours and that's where I essentially was exposed to and then ended up trying that okay um and so the, you know growing up you're just being social 
right? I think that's how we all view it anyway. It's just you're hanging out, you're doing this. But there is definitely looking back, you know, in retrospect, it's like a lot of red flags. So, you know, I started smoking weed at, at 12, sixth grade. That progressed to I actually started using pills first. So like Percocets and all that kind of stuff. Then alcohol came into it. So by high school, I was already seasoned user mm-hmm. and knew how to use, knew how to manipulate, knew how to get what I wanted. And was that the whole crowd you were running in or were you kind of different than I was? I mean, so that's a red flag. I was definitely I thought I was just like the whole crowd and I thought everybody was doing that. You know what I mean? But what wasn't reality and I definitely was an individual in that to where I was I would take it to extremes. You know, I'm I'm that kind of user where it's like all or nothing. And and that transfers over to so many areas of my life. You know, I'm all or nothing and I'm going to use it till everything's gone and I can't find anymore because if mm-hmm. I can find more, I'll still go. You know what I mean? And so um, that kind of progressed all the way before I was even in high school. And then through high school, um, that's when I kind of was exposed to some of the harder drugs, Coke and Molly and all that stuff. So things just slowly started to progress. And I always just thought I was a partier and, and I, you know, I was one of those kids that the parents didn't want their kids hanging out with. Um, and then, you know, just a fast track. I ended up leaving the Island, went to Vegas for a year. Pause yes. real quick. Did you, you played sport, like kind of describe your high school experience a little bit. Cause when we chatted, it sounded like you were kind of a Jack of all trades. Like you were, you were yeah. into sports, but then you were also like skating and surfing and you sort of like were in with, with all the crowds, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, we, we think back and, and maybe I had like a bad childhood or traumatic experiences or anything like that. And we talked about that. I didn't necessarily, that wasn't not part of my story, which I think holds so much value too, because substance abuse doesn't have prejudices. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. It's going to attack anybody and everybody. And so in high school, and even in middle school, I, you know, skated, uh, played soccer was a huge one, Uh, tennis, golf, baseball. Like, I was fully engulfed in sports, which also comes with the social scene. Like, I was not an outcast. Like, I was very much engulfed in friends and had a great social life, a healthy social life, a healthy relationship with my parents. Like, I did not, like, I wish I could say... Mm -hmm. I had traumatic growing up experiences and that would be an easy escape goat, but it wasn't. Um, I lived a very normal life growing up. Um, I just, I just knew I, I liked drugs too. I think I told you that in like fifth grade, mm-hmm. I already had it mapped out, which is kind of mm. sad. I got, I knew in fifth grade that I wanted to try all these things. Really? And how Which did is so you know? scary because yeah. you look at kids nowadays in fifth oh, yeah. grade, you're like, oh my God, what's yeah. going through that? And I can only imagine nowadays. Yeah. But, uh, was it in family, friends? Like, how did you know that in fifth grade? Because I, I mean, I went to private school, so I was in a little bit of a bubble, but I can't imagine being 10. I, I honestly couldn't put an answer to that. It mm. was just in my brain. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, we had dare. Yeah. I was just going to say the funny thing I remember because a lot of like when we were chatting, I was like, gosh, there's a lot of like, you know, similarities. And I remember it's like dare exposed exposed, and it became because we thought we were cool kids. Yes. We were like, oh, well, we're going to do what's cool, which is not do dare, you know, like we're going to literally do the opposite. And and it's like what kids do. Yeah. You know, so I I think that's. And was dare a club? Dare uh, was remember, you didn't have dare. I remember the look and logo. Yeah, of Yeah, it was but, to keep kids off drugs. Yes. I don't remember what it stood for. 
Yeah, I would. I remember the tagline, yes, which was to keep kids off drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I can't remember. I can't remember what it is either. Um, but it became fascinating in yeah. fifth grade. It became it fascinating. Thing, yeah. um, I mean, and, and we're we were uh, products of of hip hop co- growing mm-hmm. up. Yeah. That's always been a big part of my life, and so obviously that's through the music and stuff like that. And I guess I was just very influential in that in that sense. But I just always remembered that I wanted to go this route, and I did it. Can I pause for one second? Because I actually really appreciate that you're saying this uh, because I think a lot of times when we go through things and and have struggles, we're always looking for the reason why. And a lot of times I feel like, so for me, I'll just say like with depression, it's always like the story is that you went through some really bad things and you had like a really bad life. And I'm always like, I I always felt some type of way about being like, no, like Mm -hmm. I I actually had what would be from the outside world considered a great life, actually a very privileged life. And so then that becomes my own story of like, then what the fuck is really wrong with me if I had everything I could possibly want and more and then I'm still going through this shit. So I actually, I just really appreciate that you're being honest about that and that that's like a big part of your story that you're acknowledging. I just want to acknowledge that because I think that's been a big piece of my struggle of just accepting my my story well and uh, yeah just to break i guess and and segue like shout out to to mental health awareness month which is why we wanted to do this anyway and and that i think that's just part of the stigma right it's like these people have problems because something bad happened you know And, and 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 then to flip that people that have lived normal lives but have something wrong with them they're like well Something wrong must have happened, but mm-hmm. that's not the case, right? We just have imbalances yeah. <laughs> upstairs. So Thank with you. anxiety, depression, which I all have, you know what I mean? It's just the chemical imbalance that's up there. It does not mean that we lived some secret dirty life yeah. or something like that. It just, and it's just as valid as someone yes, who did. I think that's point. the thing I think a lot of times, you know, sharing. Yeah, like it can be tricky where people sort of invalidate it if something traumatic didn't happen because they're like, well, you didn't have it as bad as Comparing X. trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, and that becomes, yeah. and, then it, and then it just kind of invalidates your story and then it goes into a deeper spiral of like, why am I even here? And I just, yeah. So I just want to call it, I really appreciate that, I actually really appreciate that part of your story. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So we're in high school now. We're and in high you're school dabbling now. in sports and in drugs. Okay. So high school, um, I think this is a good time to just talk about dreams, right? Soccer was a huge one. I wanted to go play collegiate soccer. Um, and then paintball was a huge one. Oh, I didn't realize it was that early on. Paintball? Oh, that's cool. Paintball I've been playing since 99. Oh, I didn't know oh. that. So I, I grew up, sorry. Oh, shit. I grew up playing paintball as well. So all my friends that were surfing and skating, which multiple ones of them now are pro surfers and skaters, right? That's a huge thing to mm-hmm. do in, in the islands. That's a popular sport to do which I started off doing, but then I found paintball and I was really good at it as a little tyke. You know what I mean? I'm over there shooting all these grown men out, you know? And like, I was a bully on the field at such a young age. <laughs> Wait, so is this I, like in Hawaiian culture? How did you find paintball? That doesn't seem like uh, a... Well, there's not a lot to do on the island. Yeah. So whatever there is to do, you're going to find yeah. it and try it out. You know what I mean? And oh, so paintball wow. was one of those things. Okay. My mom never let me have guns in the house, like yeah. BB guns, you mm-hmm. know, and stuff like that. So me being against authority, uh, I was instantly attracted yeah, yeah, yeah. to that. And I always wanted to play. I would always go to my friend's house, shoot BB guns. Um, and then so paintball was definitely on the list. And um, typical story, um, a kid was having a birthday party. I got invited to, begged my mom, and she let me go. 
and then it was history after that. I was like it was a paintball birthday party. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was hooked. Yeah. So paint, that's where paintball entered my life. But soccer, ultimately soccer and paintball were like my big ones. And um, what position were you in soccer? I was everything. Oh, I play. I, I, I literally <laughs> was. No, no, I literally was. I be- no, now that I know you, I believe I, that I you were. I played defense, mid, striker, goalie. So you just always have been a badass athlete, though. Like that is to play everything is. Yeah, I like to. I I just like to be active. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, And yes, I you know you ask my wife, she would be like, yes, he's good at everything. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's funny though. The paintball, like that was your. You went to that party and you realized, oh, I got to do more. It was instant. I went to a party like that and I was like, I never wanted to do this. Okay, see, (laughs) and we were on the phone and we were talking about there was a fork in our lives and you went this way and I went hard right. I was like, (laughs) people are chasing me with guns and it hurts. Man, I don't like in the game that at least what we did, it was like because it was my birthday. They were like, oh, cool. For the last round, we're going to do, yeah, literally, Mike, go hide for two minutes. (laughs) Everyone's going to find you. I just tried to find like the, I didn't want to fight. I just wanted to like find a stump and hide in it. I mean, Uh, yeah, it is fun, but it was fucking terrifying (laughs) at the same time. That's pretty terrifying. But uh, so with soccer, uh, very, I mean, at that time, very hard to get noticed we didn't have content like we had these days to like get eyes on you as just a player out in the islands. You know what I mean? So that, that kind of fizzled and I was like, okay, like I'm going to go do paintball, you know? And then so out of high school, um, I started to pursue paintball. Um, and then went to Vegas for a year, uh, UNLV and ultimately got kicked out of there. And then, but hold on, not because UNLV has a paintball team, but no, because there's a like paintball. Not UNLV there. itself, but yes, uh, there is a paintball scene, and then California is a huge paintball scene. So mm-hmm. it was an easy drive over. I started playing for these te- this team over there, and we would travel over and play the tournament series okay. over there, um, which was a dead end road. Ended up getting kicked out of Vegas um, because partying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> was. Like out of school or out of the like? Out of the dorms. Gotcha, yes. gotcha. Okay. Uh, we were at the dorms and, you know, the last straw was we were, I was smoking weed. We were hot box in the room. The cops came, the whole RAs, everyone. I looked out the door and I just saw a sea of people down the hallway. Mm. And I just didn't open the door. <laughs> Damn, Patty. Okay, but can I, again, lots of questions here. Was there ever a moment of saying like, obviously it's very physical to be a paintball athlete. And then when you are partaking in a lot of drugs, did you put the two and two together? Like I, if I want to be a, you know, really good paintball athlete, I have to stop this thing. Or did they just kind of go together? Yeah. Not at the time. Mm. Um, not at the time, right. Growing up in high, you know, or, at, you know, just coming up through high school, the, the mindset is just that you're partying. You know what I mean? Like, and you're indestructible. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that I didn't like, when you talk about the forks in the road, I didn't make that connection to where it was like, okay, if I really want to excel and be disciplined in this practice, like I need to stop doing this. It was like, okay, how can I make both of them work together? Because I want to do both of them. And because you were so good at paintballing that it didn't really matter. Like that the drugs didn't interfere with. And maybe that's why I leaned towards paintball because I could do both of them. Um, or at least I thought, I mean, you're going to find out down the road, it ultimately didn't work out, you know? And I think that's why paintball also was so attractive because I've always been into subcultures, 
you know, like it's a, it's a niche culture and like you could f- really find an identity through that, just like skateboarding or anything else nowadays. It's like, it's kind of a little subsect. And so you really find an identity, um, through that. And so ultimately I ended up in, uh, Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, and, uh, was trying to go to U of O, um, was going to that community college down there, Lane Community College and, uh, continuing to go towards paintball, still chasing that dream, you know? Um, but really then over the course of the couple of years while I was down there, I was down there for about five years. That's where my life just really started to, to go downhill and to fast track just as a result, gave up on my paintball dream and really started to progressively go down. Um, in terms of drug use in drug use. So that's where I was introduced to, to opiates and it started off with oxys and progressively turned to heroin, IV heroin use. Mm. And uh, I was, and I was in, in terms of, if you're looking at two different roads for paintball, I was knocking on the door to go pro. I was trying, I literally was at a tryout one weekend trying out for a pro team. I made it to one and I never went back for the second day of tryouts. Um, because I was, by then I was already hooked to the dragon. Like he was on my back and I just, I can't remember if I was coming down on that day or if I just made a conscious choice cause I was hustling and doing that whole lifestyle. And if I just chose, I can't remember, but I never picked up a gun after that or paintball gun, sorry, a marker. I never played paintball after that. And there was like a distinct split of the roads and I started going and I was chasing the game and I was using and I just chose that lifestyle and never picked up a paintball gun um, until 2012 years down the road okay so going backwards were you actually competing while you were high like that was part of your no um well it's I have to pull the cobwebs out um I, although I would like to say no, it would probably yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, weed for sure. You know, we would be smoking and stuff like that, which makes it very nowadays. I'm like, how the fuck did I even do that? <laughs> yeah. Like, and obviously it probably spoke volumes about my ability to sure. play. I probably was crap, even though I felt like I was mm. dope. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think weed for sure. Um, at that time, I was probably smoking pills. You know, so I, it wouldn't be surprised if I was smoking pills. I mean, it didn't stop me from doing that while I was working. I got fired from multiple jobs along this course of time and because I was doing shady shit, you know, and you do shady shit, you're going to attract negative results. Yeah. You know what I mean? And were you around a crew of people? Like, was this part of the paintball community? Like, were you partaking in it with them on your own? What was the kind of culture there? That's that's yeah, for sure. I think that's why I feel compelled to share my story like. First of all, like, I don't talk about this to kind of gloat in my past. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely like to share this story to be a lighthouse or a beacon to people who are struggling with this as well. And so, yes, being in an extreme sport, being a subculture, you def- there is deep-seated with there are a lot of people. It's a party environment, you know, paintball events and stuff like that. It's a party environment. People are, are definitely getting lit at those things. And so with that, you have people that are struggling mm. with with addiction and stuff like that so i try and just get onto platforms and, and tell people that it, you know 
hope is possible, you know, and you can turn your life around. So paintball players specifically because that is just so close to home for me. People, yeah. When you were – so you were going to college. What were you going to college for? At the time, just uh, uh, hospitality management. Okay. You know, that being big in, back in Hawaii, I was like, well, I can always just fall on that and go work at a, a hotel or a restaurant, which is what I did um, for so long as my as my profession was just restaurant industry stuff, Uh banquets and serving and doing all of that stuff which also i mean if you ever work in a restaurant uh that also thrives you know substance use also thrives in that so i think an overarching kind of thing is environment for Mm. this type of stuff like look at the environment that i've been putting myself in it just it was easy for me Mm -hmm. like i i was good at what i did i'm good at what i do you know and i just talk about a niche my niche was substance use <laughs> i was good at it well it you were because mm-hmm. you were still a like almost a pro athlete you were using heavily now it sounds like you were going to school you were working like you were managing a life that like seemed like you must have been telling yourself that i can manage this all so it's yes. okay to keep doing the so drugs we call because, those functional addicts mm. which were everywhere yeah you know what i mean um our problem isn't that bad because I'm not that person on the street. Totally. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? But our use is just as bad, if not worse, because they can't afford to stay high all the time, mm. right? And so we call those functioning a- uh, addicts um, because they can have a job, they can live you know, a somewhat normal life, but they just do it high all the time. And were you living in secret? Was this known about you? For a time, for sure, for sure. There was, when I, you know, it's like I said, it started off with oxys, and then uh, this was... Back in like 06, 07-ish. Um, so you're 21. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And um, there was, I, I can't recall exactly what happened, but they did something to the pills themselves, which mm. spiked. Then you couldn't get like the OG pills. Um, they started putting like gel caps in them or something like that to where it was hard to smoke them. And so you had to find the or, like the old pills that you could smoke. But cost drove through the roof. So that's when, like, cost for opiate or pills, I should say, really spiked. Then you find a big conversion over from oxys to heroin mm-hmm. because heroin's just the cheaper version and it's stronger, mm-hmm. right? And so people just started to make that switch around that time. Um, so I did as well. And uh, that's when, like, things just, like, really started to go downhill um i was selling it i was using it iv i had all the supply i needed because i was supplying other people and so i developed this crazy habit and if you know anything about opi- you you develop a crazy habit then your come down mm-hmm. is that much harder like it is it hurts it really does hurt and so um with, with that is that so do you just basically avoid coming down like are yes. you just and managing that's never what chasing being... the dragon would be God. right it's like these you know you you're so you're literally fearful to come down because it hurts so bad that that's why you get people acting out in horrific manner because they need to get their drugs mm-hmm. and it's mostly because they don't want to feel coming down physical pain physical pain um just a, i mean and a little background i, th- I mean that's i think the difference between amphetamines and opiates whereas amphetamines is more of a mental come down 
where like you just psych yourself out that you can't come like you don't want to come down you just always want to stay high whereas opiates is like literal physical withdrawals where like my best way to describe it is like my muscles are trying to rip themselves off of my bones like I just feel like achy and yes like that's the best way to describe it it feels like like an octopus is like ringing itself around my my spine you know what I mean? Like, just, like, all these crazy-ass things. And so, at, so coming back to that fork in the road, and I basically gave up on my paintball dream and started going down this, this false facade of being a hustler and living that lifestyle, um, I just got, you know, it's that typical saying, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know what I mean? And... Uh, I had, this is entrepreneurship 101. I had a business. I so, sold it. You know, I basically had a list of clients that I was, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I sold it. And with the money that I got, moved back home. How did you hit that point, though? A guardian angel. <laughs> you know, I, I, I honestly, people, I get that question all the time because people don't make, like, the, the reality, the, the sad reality of this is that people don't make it out. So many people don't make it out. I've had so you know countless friends that have passed because of this addiction, and um, I just knew that it wasn't working for me. Like I just, it just wasn't working for me. And so I was like, I need to get back home, and I need to get my feet on the ground. And so it was more of an impulsive thing. I knew Ooh. that if I convinced myself otherwise, I was going to die. Like, and did you have like people around you being like, Patty, you got to no, change? No, it was no. just all like, yeah, it was just intrinsic. Like I just did wild. it myself, but I knew that I was going to die. Like I, I hit a spot where I, you know, I was by myself and I had just taken a shot and I was in the bathroom and I get, I walk out of the bathroom and I got, I gave myself a seizure and I was by myself and I, I vividly remember like what that felt like. And then I kind of came to and I fucking took another shot. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and you ask other users and that shit happens all the time. But in hindsight, it's fucking crazy behavior. You know what I mean? And, and that, like, I didn't, that wasn't the one event that snowballed me into doing that. That was actually not even close to the time date of when I actually did it. But just for a, a sense that like I was just, I knew that I, I was going to die if I kept going down this path. I just knew it. So then I, I, like I said, I sold this business, quote unquote, went home. Um, and although I was staying abstinent from opiates, I still never had quit. I was still drinking. I was still smoking weed. I was still using Coke. Like mm. I was still partying. I just never, and I never, I thought I was doing, I just didn't know what to do. That was my life for so long. I didn't know what to do. And I thought I was going down the right path and, um, ended up relapsing. You know, they say, you know, you hang out in the barbershop, you're going to get your hair cut. And I, now, now I'm going back home and, and like, it's not the location, like wherever you go, you're, you're still there. Mm -hmm. And so I was hanging out with old friends, you know, um, and my my party patty is fucking crazy you know what i mean and ultimately someone was using oxys 
at one of these parties and pff, you when I was talking about like you develop this crazy habit, right? Um, and when you start using again, you think you have that same tolerance. Uh-huh. And and um, I just wasn't hustling now. Now I have to pay for all of that shit. Mm. So now I have to pay for that shit, but I have this huge habit that I have to supply. And so I was just starting to just get myself into debt. Yeah, which what? like cost you what? What does that cost you on a daily basis? <sighs> Nowadays, I don't even know because mm. I've been so disconnected. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. But you're, t- I mean, you're talking about hundreds and thousands for the week. Wow. I'm not making that money. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, thankfully, I mean, not thankfully, but I did have some money saved up from, but it, that, that pot was going fast, you know? Um, and uh, so when I, you know, and if I can just segue back though, when I, so this important part of the story too, when I came back, I kicked that IV heroin use cold turkey. And, and that was, you, it, it's one of those, you would think that experience was to this date, one of the hardest things that I've ever done. When I talk about those physical withdrawals that you have, I mean, I was pissing the bed, shit in the bed, fucking the whole nine yards, fever, um, on the verge of stroke, like probably should have gone to the hospital to get medical care mm. for this. And were you alone? No, I was at my, I was at my parents' house for Thanksgiving. Oh shit. Yeah. So were they aware of what you were going through? Not, I mean, my mom's not dumb. She, she knew without knowing, you know what I mean? But it was never said. Um, but no, it was, it was Thanksgiving day that I was coming down 2010 Thanksgiving day. And so that's the, you, one of those, you would have thought, you would have thought that after having that experience, I would never go back to doing this type of stuff. But like I said before, substance abuse doesn't give a fuck. Like if you don't, if you don't attack it and, and resolve some issues within yourself, it's going to resurface and it resurfaced. And, um, I ended up going down again yes oh you just mentioned resolve some issues within yourself were you starting to become aware of what those were not yet no okay not yet like i said i i had no idea what to do mm. um and i was still just like eh, whatever so you weren't even scared you weren't no like, you it didn't wasn't even on my radar okay. yet it wasn't yeah I, th- I was like i got away from eugene i'm back home with my family and my friends that i grew up with like this is the new start it wasn't a new start. It was just the the chap the last chapter of this. And so when I relapsed, um, I probably went out for a good. It was a, almost a full year because uh, eleven 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 is is my official clean date that we give ourselves, right? Um, so eleven 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 was the last day that I kind of or was my first day clean. So eleven ten eleven was the last day I used, um, and then I again kicked at the time I relapsed was all oxy I didn't touch heroin though but it was it was still all oxy which is just as bad don't get it twisted it's it's the government version of heroin Mm -hmm. like there's no way of painting that and um I kicked that cold turkey again fuck motherfucker (laughs) yeah I, I I kicked that cold turkey while working seven days a week at a restaurant expediting food and I like I can laugh about this now, but they were supportive. Like they knew kind of what was going on and they were supportive of me and they didn't fire me. Mm. You know, they, they kept me on staff and 
I remember those days and I, I worked with a buddy that I used to use with. So it's like that temptation was there. It was no walk in the park. Like I had my mom drop me off and pick me up. I'm 25 at the time. Right. And I'm having my mom drop me off mm-hmm. and pick me up from work because I was so scared of myself at that time. But I was coming down and I was getting the withdrawals and everything like that. And I'm literally lying under the hot bar line where it's like, I don't know how much temperature, but it's hot. Right. It's yeah. keeping food hot. <laughs> I'm lying under there and it's in Hawaii. Like it's hot. But with the cold sweats and I just feel the chills and I'm just like, oh, my God. And I was just I don't know how I made it through, but I was fucking making it through one day at a time. Patty, damn. If you go back, what can you recall the moments of like why you were like enough is a fucking enough? Well, I I can tell you the one the one moment that I, I did. And it was definitely an ego thing. Like I so I go from being a hustler, making money, using whatever I wanted to going towards the people that I used to sell to that was struggling to make it Mm. spending every last dollar on their, on their fix. And I was on my way to work and I was sick and I was trying to get better. And I was just trying to get one pill uh, so that I can make it through the shift. And then I was going to use my tips to go get more at night. This is the whole fucking routine. You know what I mean? It's not a glorious lifestyle. And I was, I met up with someone to go get the pill, it was like 30 bucks, and he drove off with it, you know, ripped me off, and so it, it was such, a, it, it was such a small, I feel like it was just such a small event, but it was like that last drop that I just, it just, I couldn't take it anymore, mm. and so I was, I was pissed, and I was sick, and I had a eight-hour shift ahead of me, and, uh, this is for all the parents uh, out there that have no clue what to do. Just be patient and, and love your child uh, regardless. And I called my parents and uh, I unloaded. And I unloaded on them and I uh, told them everything that was going on and where I was at. And uh, that's where that initial plan of my mom dropping me off and picking me up started because uh, I knew where the dealer's house was and I was scared and I didn't know what to do. So I went to the shift and... uh, Got through it, tried to get from my friend, for sure, that was on a shift with me. And by the grace of God, he, he, he didn't have any or he, he didn't want to share what he had. And so I was forced to start my come down then. And uh, that was essentially the, the start of me getting clean. Patty, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like to relive these moments because obviously they're very real for you and that is your life and those are some very very deep dark times and I just thank you I mean for people that are listening and for people that are going through it like to be able to hear you and and then we're gonna get to what you're doing today yeah. and like what just, time is it? No, I mean it's like so inspiring and I just I appreciate your willingness to be just so 
honest about where you're at because that honesty is what we get to connect to and like that's what gets to pull a lot of people out so I just I appreciate you and I've told this story multiple times I've never really broken down um telling it um but I know it just I have compassion for and I have to this date I still have families that reach out to me that I just feel for the parents and the family members because Although the addiction affected me, I know that I was able to escape my feelings through my use. I didn't feel that stuff. My parents felt that, and my my friends and family felt that for a decade. And it just, yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things. Yeah. How did that, like, was that the first time you had really unloaded on that like just really came clean and and honest about sort of like the life you were living and what was going on yes at the, when, when i broke down to mm-hmm. them and, I, and like i said they're not dumb i think they knew sure and they like that's why i said like these for the parents out there it's like you know like i get so many calls from moms and dads and they know what their kids are doing yeah. like we we think that we're being so smart or that no one knows like don't be a fucking idiot. Like people know your behavior is not that secret. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have so many moms and dads reaching out and just like, what do I do? And it's like, it's a very scary game to play because literally there's not anything that you can do. And the more you force the issue, the more that that person is going to back off. I was there like if, if they came to me and like almost let the cat out the bag and if I knew that they knew, I probably would have just retracted Mm -hmm. and had no connection and just done what I did. Right. But they just were patient, still loved me for who I was and, and supported me any chance that they could. And when I was ready, I, I let them know and they were there. You know what I mean? And I think that that was the saving grace, you know, that I still hadn't burned all these bridges with my relationships with people and that they were still willing to show up for me. You know what I mean? And I think that that saved my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and what do you suggest? Like for parents, is it, you know, seek professional help and have professional help help you with your children? Is that where? It's it's such a, each person is different, mm-hmm. right? I, I, you know, I, I'll, you know, the rooms of NA got me clean. And so that really helped me. Um, treatment centers. I worked at a treatment center. I've seen success stories out of treatment centers. I've seen those work. Um, and I've seen, I, and I've also seen uh, interventions work. Like, I think that that's such a difficult topic uh, because it's, so, it's still so new substance abuse and the, and the science we have behind it. Like we don't know what works still and what doesn't and what causes it and what, like we have ideas, but there's no concrete answers yet. So I, you know, and the conversation that I have at, at, to, to kind of base, go off a foundational level, the conversation that I have with these parents is, is just don't give up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just don't give up. And like I said, my parents were supportive of me to a certain extent. Of course, they didn't support my using, like, but they from a dis- loved me from a distance. Mm-hmm. And 
like I said, when I was ready, they were right there. And that's my story. If, if, if they can resonate with that and if they can get strategy for what to do out of that, like bless them. Like, yes, if that's not, cause that's not always the situation. Some, some pe- people don't have that family relationship mm-hmm. and that's not an option. Then they have to have a different story mm-hmm. that they resonate with. Mm-hmm. Right. I, my story is not a universal tutorial mm-hmm. on how to get through it. You know what I mean? Um, I want to talk about yeah. what helped you stay sober now. So, yes. Because 11, 11, yes. 11 is a magic Magical number. number. That I is know. crazy. And I want to hold on to that number. What? So that's yes. All, you know what I mean? So that also fuels me to keep, my, what I say, keep my seat in the rooms mm. um, because I want to hold on to that number. And this is really what I do enjoy talking about. So, because uh, it is all about the recovery and where my life is now and how we turned it around and, and the message of hope and everything like that. So... Um, that marks the day, right? On, on the number, was 11, 11, has it been 11 years this coming mm-hmm. November? Yes. Oh, we got to throw Daddy. some sort That's of a party. major one, huh? Yeah, 11 so. years from 11, 11, 11. 11, 11. 11. So I many ones. Massive <laughs> goosebumps. All right, all right. Let's go. Noted. Yes. Oh, totally So, noted. yes, you are correct. Uh, I have 11 years coming up this year, which is fucking amazing and yeah to backtrack and go over this story and realize that we're here now it's it's pretty fun and um so that marks that day um it it just like everything in my life as soon as i hit the ground running it start it just caught on like wildfire so when i finally made that decision like okay this i'm i'm gonna get clean um it was it was now, yeah, I made that decision, and then I looked around. I'm like, I have no idea how to function as a contributing member of society at 25. At 25, mm-hmm. right? Which is a blessing and a curse, right? At 25, not knowing really how to do anything in life is very scary. But you think about 35 or 45 or 55 year olds that are just getting clean. It only gets worse as you go down the road. Yeah. So I was very blessed to get clean early, um, but. The lifestyle, I think the lifestyle and the habits were so much harder to break because I, through my eyes, my vision of myself was still very much hip, hip hop, hip hop, hustler, living the, the, the codes of the streets, mm-hmm. like all this stuff that's just so facade and bullshit really. And it's not how life operates. Um, and it I definitely didn't operate for me. Um, that was harder for me to kind of get adjusted to than it was just not using, like not to downplay, not using wasn't hard, but like the longevity of learning how my lifestyle changes took longer than it did for the, the feelings of substance withdrawal to last. And so let's go like the first 30 days I started going, you know, I didn't know, no, not, not the first 30 days, maybe at the tail end of 30 days, I started going to meetings, but the first 30 days was, uh, I was still selling weed. I was, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And ultimately my life guided me towards meetings, started going to meetings. That's really where I started to catch my stride. Um, I was still working full time. I ended up, you know, enrolling in full-time school, um, really just distractions, right? And fitness. So now fitness really enters my life. And um, I was telling you, like, yeah, growing up as an athlete, I always wanted to be in the gym and train. Like, I wanted that knowledge, but I was just maybe insecure with myself. Um, I didn't, 
I was scared. I was scared to go in because other people were lift, lifting more than me. Everyone seemed like they knew more than me. I just didn't want to go in there and be an awkward kid. You know what I mean? But I always wanted to learn that kind of stuff. So now, uh, getting clean, my neighbors had a, had a garage that had the old gym set up. You know, it was just meatheads galore over there. It was just a bench, <laughs> a squat rack, some rusted weights, and some dumbbells and stuff. So I would hop the fence, and I'd go work out over there and uh i started to i mean i was the typical meathead at the time you know i was youtubing shit i was like yeah that's dope i'm gonna fucking go do that and so i started doing that and really just building myself up and creating this lifestyle for myself off of literally complete canvas blank canvas and so like and then that and then i started going into macros and you know, doing that whole thing and you're just getting into it. So it's a lot of trial and error. And, um, and that's really where my fitness kind of my passion for, cause it, I had a direct result. I started, I literally was feeling shitty. I would go work out and I'd feel good. Yeah. It was so binary like that. It was just like, Oh, there's a direct result. Uh, I'm gonna keep doing this. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. Yeah, so it was just like I would feel shitty, go work out, I'd feel good along the road. I was counting, you know, I was clocking in these clean days. I was, you know, like I said, NA was a very big part of my story. So I started working those steps that everybody talks about. And I was starting to see like those direct correlations in my life and getting positive feedback, let alone I was never someone that completed something. I was always one of those ones that kind of like started something, dabbled in something, and then instantly went to something else. Like I never really completed something outright. So I started doing these little hurdles, you know, and and completing them and building self-confidence. And I think that's what fitness, you asked me what fitness has, has done for me. And like at 25, when you're rebuilding your life and having fitness there at the jump start taught me discipline right? Uh, having a program, having a schedule, um, achieving these small things, these little hurdles that would ultimately end up to a bigger goal, you know, like all these little things that I think often people take advantage of, or don't even think about not that they take advantage of, they've just done it for so long that they don't think about it. But when you're faced to do it at 25, it's a little bit more blaring in your face. Mm. Can I ask you a question? Because, and I don't know how to, to, to word this, but Movement has always been the place in which I connect with myself. So it also always, it becomes that very vulnerable place with yourself. When you started to move more, did you start to become more aware of maybe why you were using drugs or like what you were trying to escape? Or like, did you have any kind of, you know, come to Jesus moment there with yourself? The one that I I can think of that I, it always is planted in me as well is when I was coming down. I was laying in bed and I was 140 pounds soaking wet. Like I was, I was sucked up. And so I remember it was within those couple of days of me getting clean. I woke up and rolled over and I could feel my hip bones. I could feel my rib cage. I just felt like a skeleton. And that has always been a place that I resort myself back to because I, a, a, a not to encourage us to any, anyone, but I made the best gains from zero to 90 days of being clean. Like I went from a stick and gained like 
40 pounds like right off the bat because I was I was eating and I was lifting and I <laughs> just made the best strength gains ever. I don't recommend that program to anybody <laughs> yeah. though because it's very risky. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in terms of movement, like I, I always remember that feeling and then like the importance of moving and I never want to feel like that again. And so that keeps me motivated to like always, always hit the gym and like just to get off topic, I just thought of it though. But like, I'm with when I'm with my clients, you know, and they're like, "Oh, what do you eat?" or "What's this?" You know, I eat pretty freely. I don't restrict. I have a very good relationship with my food, and I eat what I want to eat. And I and my body doesn't vary uh, very much. Like I, I fluctuate between 190 and 200. Like whether I undereat or overeat, I I kind of found that zone. But that's because of consistency. Like, I have not missed a, a week of gym in 10 years. Mm. Damn. You know what I mean? Because it's just become such of my lifestyle. I mean, given maybe I've gone on vacation, sure. But, like, I have hit the gym, especially the, those first five years, religious was just like clockwork hitting that gym. And my body now has just become acclimated to those movements, to those types of stuff that I can do. Because I've trained and I've stayed consistent with it, yeah. you know, and I've had such a passion for it. But it's like people want to know what I do that's going to get them what I have in like 30 days, in like yeah. 60 days, in like 90 of, days. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. like, no, it, the consistency trumps all. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it is that lifestyle change. So but your consistency, as a small, little, yeah, as a small being, little segue, that was. In being sober and in movement yes. and taking care of yourself. It's 100%. like, you know, consistency is key. 100%. And, and also keeping you healthy yes. and clean yes and, and and to move move down the timeline here um i started doing substance abuse counseling so that was major and also a set of skills that helped me with who i am today um and i think it's very stereotypical for any recovering addict you hear them going into human services and wanting to help which is all good um ultimately i've just felt like it was too much substance abuse stuff uh, I had my own recovery. Yeah. I had everyone else's recovery. It was a 24-hour gig. And uh, all those people coming through, I knew a third of them because I grew up with them. And it was just a lot. So I, I, and my wife, at the, you know, my girlfriend at the time, she was also working in human services. We would never – it's a very hard schedule to juggle in a relationship. And um, we wanted to – she had never lived off the island, and so we wanted to move. And so Northwest is just a natural – place for us to come my sister lives up here um always visited the northwest i lived in eugene for a while so northwest was always just a second home away from home so we made plans uh to move up here and this was in 2017 um by then we were both in our bachelor's getting our bachelor's for psychology wow and so Patty? we were on the That's we were cool. on the tail end of that and so we <laughs> we we were going to finish school, we were going to quit our jobs, we were going to get married, we were going to move, and I was going to play my first tournament as a pro paintball player. All within four months. <laughs> Life's wow. like biggest moments. Just yes, right yes. and you know, I, I, I tell other people as well, it's like, once you figure out the, that the abyss is just a bed of uh, feathers, it gets much easier to just dive into it. And I have practiced that so many times of just diving into the unknown 
and figuring it out when I get there. So in this process was definitely one of those processes. And so we did all of that. We you know, finished school, we got married, or quit our jobs, got married, we moved over here, and I played my first paintball tournament as a pro. After that tournament, I decompressed and got back and realized that we are starting from scratch again. And we didn't have jobs lined up, you know, we had a little bit of savings and we were going to just make it work. And so that's where my fitness coaching got into play. Um, I was, we were both working for a flower farm, not that far from here, not a flower farm, a wholesale, um, flower place. And, um, obviously I knew that I wasn't wanting to drive flowers for any longer than I needed to do. And so my wife was the one that ultimately was like, well, hello, it's easy for me to see. Why don't you just see it? Um, Get your personal training certificate and go follow your dream in in fitness. And I was like, all right, Roger that. And so I got, (laughs) you're like, damn, okay. You're right. (laughs) So her psychology degree was working pretty well. We fuck with each other all the time. And, uh, Yes, yes, we will play counselor with each other all the time. Um, so yes, that was the path. I, so, this, and this is like 2018 now. Yeah, this this is crazy. So I didn't get my personal training cert till the end of 2018, and I mean that's four years ago. And how much has developed over the last yeah. four years is pretty crazy. So I got that. Um, it was not that long after that I started interning at Vigor. Oh. And so I was working full time. I think at the time I was working part time still at the flowers. I was working part time up at a gem in Linwood and I was doing my internship for free at Vigor. And I think this, you know, so many people are, are in for it. I feel like nowadays for the quick buck, like I need to get as much money as I can as fast as I can without actually taking a step back and understanding the value of knowledge. And so that's what held me at vigor and it's still holding me at vigor because under those, between those walls and under that ceiling between Luca and Andreas and the other coaches and my exposure to other people, Mm -hmm. I learn so much. And I always tell my athletes like find the path of accelerated growth. And that it like, that is a direct product of me. Just, if you want to, be a winner, roll with the winners. And I found a group of people that just propel me forward. And so Vigor has really helped me with that. And um, so, yes, it was not that long ago after I got my cert that I started interning at Vigor. And just to fast forward, well, not to, fa- so I got that. Then I started OTL, Off and, the Leash. Okay. And so shout out to Off The Leash. That's my, my company as well. And that is uh, where I started doing remote coaching for paintball athletes. So I found this niche as well. And, and so, how did you even arrive there? Like were you, you were training, obviously, you were doing paintball. Yeah. Were you, did, was it like a moment where you're like, huh, there's no one like training yeah. paintballers. 100%. Maybe there's something for me. I think that that, that is how yeah. it went down. I mean, obviously, I want to do what I love. And I love coaching. And I love paintball. Boom. <laughs> it was just like, I want to do both of those. And yeah, recognizing having the platform of being, being pro, noticing that no one was really doing it. Like there have been other pros to do type of workout programs for players, but it was all fat loss or bodybuilding, like really obsolete or sorry, but 
for the purpose of paintball, yes. those are pretty obsolete. Like, it's not performance training. Yeah. You know what I mean? So no one was doing that. So it was like a light bulb. Mm -hmm. And plus, I was good at it. You know what I mean? Patty, you are a hustler. <laughs> yeah. Like, it so, never yeah. ends. So, I mean, I mean, from drug dealing all the way up, like, I've always been a hustler. Like, that's Damn. always been in my blood. My mom's a, an artist. You know, she's always hustled. So I think that that's just part, like, passed down through genetics. And so, yeah, I, I, I've never been scared to get my hands dirty. And uh, off the leash is my baby. Like, I, I love it. And I get to touch people's lives in in as a fitness platform but we dive so much deeper i think that's what's really cool about my otl athletes it's like yes i deliver them fire ass programs but we also develop relationships we do zoom calls i do individual phone calls i stay in these people's lives and with that comes the territory and then having my counseling background mm. i comes with the territory of that we really dive into like life coaching and mindset stuff so it's like i have fun developing these relationships with these athletes and really propelling them not just in performance wise but just in every area of their life and ultimately i think that embodies what we try to do with off the leash right we we all have our leashes we're all we all got our things holding us back oh, you know shit click Patty. that shit off oh, let's go let's go off the leash hey let's go okay so <laughs> let me bring it back are you are you training professional paintball athletes that you're then competing against? Like, are you giving I them am. the secret sauce? I am. <laughs> oh, damn. I know, right? Uh, so I use that as a little marketing tactic. You know, I was giving these pros free training, and they would say that they're training with off the leash. Ultimately, that's how I use that, you know? Like I said. The hustler again. No one, <laughs> no one is training like how I'm training. So even the base, like, I'm not going to put anybody's name on blast, but even the most basic stuff that I'm giving these people was life changing. And these are pro like a pro paintball player is not the same as a, a pro athlete. Let's just be honest. Like we have all walks of life. I think paintball is very new on that front where you get like the old school paintball players, which has been so appealing because you could be all shapes and, shi uh, all shapes and sizes and still be a pro paintball player. Mm. The sport has definitely started to take the turn of more athleticism and everything like that. So as I enter, I feel like I am changing that or at least being a pioneer within that scope. And so I have worked with paintball players, pro paintball players. I've worked with everyone from the lower levels all the way up to pro. Everyone finds value in, in training and in mobility and in movement and you're just de delivering that in a nice packaged product to these guys and it's 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 life-changing for them you know Patty, what I mean you are so badass that's also not the only thing you're doing <laughs> <laughs> you're also training because yes. you're a strength coach for the Seawolves yes. which is Seattle's pro rugby team yes you are running a business out of vigor now yes like you it just keeps going on keeps and on and on it's yeah, it's pretty crazy. I know. I shout asked, out to True Brain keeps me going. Take there we go. <laughs> but I was asking Patty the other day. I was like, "What is a day in the life of Patty?" And he was like, "Up early, working." I, what did you say? You leave Vigor at like eight o'clock? Yeah, yeah. It's fucking crazy sometimes. The and you know, shout out to my wife. She holds me up and supports me all the way through it because I. It's crazy. It's 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 crazy. But everything has been by design. And I have a bigger vision for things. You know what I mean? It's not always going to be like this. I just never been scared to put in the footwork, which I feel like many people don't want to put the footwork mm -hmm. in. And 
everybody wants to get paid for what they're doing. And it's like, well, sometimes you don't get paid for what you're doing. But the end result down the road, play the long game, pays off. So, I mean, like, I don't know where we left off in the story, but ultimately, like, been able to completely turn my life around. And that has been, like, don't undervalue that. And, And it's been a fucking struggle to get to where I'm at. But now that I'm here, it, it it's nice to, I mean, talking about the connections, like I never would have thought I'd be sitting on a Kaiser show. Aww. I never thought I would be the strength and conditioning coach for a major league rugby team. Like shit that, from my original when I got clean, my dreams would be like, oh, this would be really dope if this happened. I fucking passed that so long ago. <laughs> and like things have been happening left and right. And so it's like, if I can just, you know, I always resonate with just being a lighthouse. And so I, you know, I want to go, on and share publicly and, and just be that beacon of hope for people that are struggling with addiction and mental health awareness. Just like, don't give up. Like it's, it's so cliche, but it's, it's, it's just like, I've gotten used to just those cliche sayings being so on point. You know what I mean? Like they might be cliche, but they are so on point. And it's like, have hope, you know, it's, you can completely change that life around, you know, and it's going to take time. Um, but yeah, that's fuck. I don't know. The only thing I can keep saying is like, and this is just the beginning for you. Yeah, like your life, yeah. it, just, it feels like this is just the beginning. It is. So where is Patty in five years? Like, what is the vision of like off the leash or the things that you're doing right now? Um, and like, uh, I, you know, going with the value uh, of education, like obviously I would love to be doing OTL like full time. Like that's what I was essentially love to do, whether that's with my clothing and remote coaching or having my own spot. Like I have visions for OTL, like I have huge visions for OTL, but that's what also holds me back. Not, I choose my words carefully, not hold me back, but making a conscious choice to stay at vigor as well, because I'm learning so much there, you know, and being around Luca and Andreas and you and the sea wolves and some of the, you know, who, you know, who's, you're there, you know, who's there just being around those feeds my creativity for OTL. So it's like, I, I have this like revolving circle of influence that just helps me be who I am. And so I think with the vision for OTL, I mean, this place is pretty dope. I would love to have my own place, you know, OTL HQ coming soon. Um, but I, I would love to have a place to, to, do my own training with people, you know, and have a clothing line and do paintball clothes and do tra- like fuck, I don't know. Yes, <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I love it. It's yeah. dope, like whatever. <laughs> I feel like if your story has and your life has ever like taught you anything, it's like when that moment comes, you'll know. Yes. And it's like you seem to be the type of person that's very connected and aware of like where you're at in life and what needs to turn I'm, and the fork in the road. And I'm glad know. you said that. And and that, OTL is what it is today because of it's just been organic like i've never i've never had a business plan i've never like had a tutorial about like oh yeah do these three steps you know and i think that that speaks volumes to what we are as a a business or culture or whatever you want to identify otl as is that we don't have like a quick easy one two three steps or a, a, a tutorial on how to get from a to b and just do what we say 
people that have been following us have followed our story and seen where we've gone through and our blueprint has been getting laid as we go. You know what I mean? And so people that have been tuning into us, it's been fun for them to see the growth and like how we, how we'd operate just because we're in the trenches. We're in the currently in the trenches doing it. And so like people that would jump on and like watch us and do this and that can apply that stuff to their lives just simply because we're doing it as well. Oh, I so, live action. I so appreciate you're saying this because I think there's so much to be taken out of the fact that there's no right way. Yeah. Like there's literally no oh, there's right so way. Ways. There's so many ways to do things. And like, you've obviously done it your own way and like shout out to you just because even sitting here, I've learned so much about you today, but just sitting here, your energy is very real and is very palpable and whatever you want to do is going to happen. I also feel like we could sit here and talk to Patty. <laughs> I am. This has been such an awesome conversation. It was very different than what I, 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 I so. honestly was just open to seeing what this was. I just really want to say thank you. Yeah, thank you. For sharing your story and just being so real and open and honest about your story. And I just like, I'm, I like, it's a physical feeling when somebody's sitting here honest and open because it also kind of gets to unlock stuff in us. So I just so appreciate you, Patty. Yeah. And thanks for taking all of the things that have, you know, happened in your life and, and putting that in a, a really inspiring place, like taking that and not, you know, you, you could have gone multiple ways and you, you didn't even have to take, you could still be sober and not be living the life that you're living now. Like you took all right. that and you combined them all together to not just like be sober and exist, but to actually like be sober, exist, inspire and help other people get sober and live a life that's like really exciting. Yes. And, you know, so I just like, I'm super grateful that you chose that, that route. Cause that's not an easy route. Like it's, there's many routes that you had to be really conscious at making that decision. And I recognize that like that, I'm sure that that was really hard, but you're doing that work. And it's so like, it's so incredible to like witness. And, and now like we get to kind of be a part of, so yeah, I, th- I think just desensitizing the fear behind getting clean. You know what I mean? And, and although it's tough, it's not there, but having that blank canvas and having that energy and, and just being excited about having an opportunity to completely reinvent yourself can be a, if it, it, it's a mindset switch, right? It can be scary, but it can also be the time of your life. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't, I always have to bring things back to movement. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it's <laughs> no, like, it's good. I feel like you built up. It's like when you listen to your story, you built up the physical strength to then endure so much mentally, spiritually, emotionally, 100%. all of the things. And I just like, oh. It's been such a big part of my story. Movement. And that's why we're here. Yes. Ultimately. Yes. I mean, that movement led me. Yes. To this podcast. Yes. Yeah, okay. Me too. So before we end, <laughs> where can people find you? Uh, so personal social media is at Patty Gleason, uh, off the leash. Uh, social media is at off the leash lifestyle. Um, check me out at Vigor. Check me out on the paintball field. You're going to get got. And uh, also catch me at the Seawolves games, man. We're everywhere. everywhere. Let's go. (laughs) Patty, we are so grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on today and again sharing your story. Um, And to everyone that tuned in, thank you for tuning in and listening. Again, don't forget, if you enjoyed what you listened to, please leave us a review. Drop some stars. Mike, thanks for being here today. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. All right, team. So thank you. And we hope to see you on the next show. Peace.